This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Facebook admitting to Congress tonight it sold ads, political ads, during the presidential election to a so-called Russian troll farm that was trying to target, trying to influence the election in American voters. The question is where and how did the Russians get into this? I think the public needs to know what kind of misinformation and disinformation might be appearing on their Facebook news feed. How did they know what messages to deliver? Who told who told them? Yeah. Who were they coordinating with or colluding with? Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Trumpcast is the show about the man who beat Hillary Clinton fair and square in his usual dignified, sporting, gentlemanly way. The problem was all Hillary's, that neoliberal corporate shill who is a woman. You know what? I alone know why Hillary lost and just how she fucked up. Hillary should have campaigned harder in St. Petersburg. Am I right? So today's topic is Facebook. Facebook, which has finally let us off tenterhooks and admitted that it sold ads to one or more Russian shell companies. In slightly roundabout language, Facebook said ultimately that it sold 5,000 ads. Facebook is now cooperating with the Mueller investigation, which we like to hear because Mueller if I understand that guy, likes cooperation. Nice little social network you got here, Zuck. Wouldn't want anything to happen to it. Facebook won't disclose those ads, which has prompted demands for greater transparency from that social juggernaut. What even is Facebook, and can it be reined in? In any case, Trump's campaign spent a ton of cold, hard Trump cash at the Facebook casino, and as we all know, one big. Facebook also worked very closely with Trump's digital operations, shoulder to shoulder, in fact, with Cambridge Analytica, the spooky outfit owned by Robert Mercer, which is itself under investigation for allegedly distributing Russian propaganda. See, the noose is tightening, or is it? Simmer down, because my guest much more than I am, is eminently balanced and rational. Her name is Issy Lepowski. She's all hooked up at Facebook, but she also knows it's infested by disinformation and influence ops, and she can tell us how to tell a bot account from your dad's weird cousin. She's had her eye on the wicked dealings of the Trump campaign and the Kremlin from day one, and she's a reporter at Wired with a piece out today called Facebook may have more Russian troll farms to worry about. 
We'll be back in a minute with Issy Lepowski, but first a couple of announcements. I am getting a little too excited about upcoming live shows for Trumpcast. We're going to be in Austin, Texas on Saturday, September 23rd, 7.30 p.m. at the Texas Union Theater. Just click through my voice to add that address and time to your calendar. We are then, on November 14th, going to be in San Francisco. That's a Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. November 14th at the Norse Theater. We're super excited. And for all of this, you can go to slate.com slash live. So soon we're talking about Facebook. But first, the tweets. Congress now has six months to legalize DACA, something the Obama administration was unable to do. If they can't, I will revisit the issue. Watching Hurricane closely, my team, which has done and is doing such a good job in Texas, is already in Florida. No rest for the weary. For all of those DACA that are concerned about your status during the six-month period, you have nothing to worry about. No action. Republicans, sorry, but I've been hearing about repeal and replace for seven years. Didn't happen. Republicans must start the tax reform slash tax cut legislation ASAP. Don't wait until the end of September. Needed now more than ever. Hurry. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, Trumpcast listeners, Jason here with just two more messages before we jump into today's show. First, are you a Slate Plus member yet? If not, why not? With Slate Plus, you can get ad-free versions of this show and bonus segments. And this week, you can hear me chat about Trump's debt ceiling deal with the Democrats. So to sign up, go to slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. And second message, the Trumpcast Book Club is back after a summer hiatus. Jacob Weisberg, Philip Marevich, and Katie Royfe will be discussing Arlie Russell Hochschild's Strangers in Their Own Land. That's Arlie Russell Hochschild's Strangers in Their Own Land. That discussion is coming up later this month, so stay tuned to the feed and to our Twitter handle, at RealTrumpCast, for an exact date. And now let's get to the show. 
Joining me in the studio is Issy Lepowski. She's a senior writer for Wired who covers tech, politics, and national affairs. Welcome, Issy. Thanks for having me. I have to say it's a non-guilty pleasure for me to get to talk about the internet as opposed (laughs) to straight-up politics because this is, for my sins, where I live and have made the focus of my career, as you have. Right. Um, We both write for Wired. We are talking about Facebook today. And Facebook, you know, a lot on Trumpcast, we talk about the Russia investigation from the point of view of the law or from the point of view of the investigators. Today, we're sort of talking about, I think of it as like ground zero of the cyber attack, which is Facebook itself. We're right now piecing through the rubble of a kind of of where the attack happened. Does that is that add up for you? Well, I think I would be careful about how I use the term cyber attack. Ah. I think when you when you say cyber attack and a lot of these things get conflated, what happened to the DNC, the hack of the DNC servers, what happened to John Podesta's emails, that was a cyber attack. That was a true hack, uh, a concerted effort to get into and infiltrate uh, computer systems, email systems. What we've seen on Facebook and what we're increasingly learning about what happened on Facebook is more like a disinformation campaign, Mm. a traditional uh, effort to influence by seeding false information, by seeding just more information, creating chaos on the platform. So it creates a situation where not only do people start to believe false news, but now they don't know what they can believe, what we can say is true. So I would say that uh, what's happened on Facebook has been Definitely a, a concerted effort by Russia, we're now learning, to to influence voters, uh, but not necessarily a, a cyber attack or a hack like we necessarily think about. That makes sense. And I want to hear more about disinformation. And when that word slides into the word deza, the, the, the Russian word, that's when we've started to like really, go, you know, go down, go down this uh, rabbit hole. So we may get there. But let's start with the fact that the Trump campaign spent the bulk of its money on Facebook. I mean, that was sort of where it pounded the pavement, you know, looking for converts. Just the Trump campaign right now, we're not necessarily connecting them to Russia. That's they've said that they did work with a company called Cambridge Analytica to do that explicitly worked with Cambridge Analytica data mining company. Some people call it a psyops company. What did what is Cambridge Analytica and what did they do for the Trump campaign? Sure. Cambridge Analytica is a data analytics firm and it is financially backed by Robert Mercer, who is one of Donald Trump's biggest funders. Um, And I think for that reason, Robert Mercer has kind of become like the new Koch brothers. And for that reason, uh, there it makes Cambridge Analytica seem incredibly shadowy. And I would say during the campaign, when I talked to people who had worked with Cambridge Analytica, they said that, in fact, the reason Cambridge Analytica was kind of bogus was because it was making promises it couldn't keep about how good its data mining abilities were. Um, so Cambridge Analytica has made this promise that it does psychographic targeting. Okay. So it says that uh, in the past, advertising has been done based on demographics, based on consumer habits. So, you know, advertisers will look at your credit card statements and see what kinds of things you like to buy. They'll see, are you a woman? Where do you live? What kinds of what kinds of things do you like? And Cambridge Analytica says that that is not enough. They need to know what kind of person you are. Are you neurotic? Are you open-minded? And that is how they craft the language in their ads. And so what I heard again and again during the campaign cycle was that all of that is crap, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it that they aren't that good at determining what kind of person you are if you're neurotic. And 
even if they are able to um, to predict that, they don't have accurate ways to measure whether uh, an ad targeted at a neurotic person does better than an ad targeted merely at a man in his 30s hmm. uh, who lives in Wisconsin. So it's interesting now to hear that Cambridge Analytica must have been so good at what they were doing ah. that they were actually teaching the Russians, who, by the way, have been experts in influence campaigns for decades and spying on the United States for decades, that, that Cambridge Analytica must have been feeding its data to the Russians. Now, again, we don't know what conversations happened between Trump campaign staffers, but I think that th- this question keeps popping up again and again every time we see that, the, that, for instance, Russians did buy ads on Facebook, that somebody must have been directing the Russians in their targeting. And it turns out that Facebook just gives people, anyone, you, me, anyone, tremendous ability to target uh, anyone we want to. Mm-hmm. So we could place an ad today that, uh, you know, targets rural voters in Wisconsin. And I really don't think it would have been so hard for, you know, a Russian actor or or government-sponsored group to determine last year that, you know, maybe the Rust Belt might be leaning toward President Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it starts to sound more ominous and more like propaganda when it moves into this targeting of a so-called neurotic type. And in the reading I've done, a neurotic type, that person is not called a racist. And yet some of the ads aimed at the would-be neurotic or anxious uh, Facebook user use racist themes. So like, you know, anti-ISIS or, or you know, fear of street crime and burglary are the kind of things that get those people going. I think in the dominant media, we would call that the racist vote, but there may be a psychographic attached to it. Is it possible that they were looking for something other than just neurotic? Or So, yeah. so I have to say here, actually, that uh, I have spoken to Cambridge Analytica and uh, Brad Parscale, who was the digital director at the Trump campaign, and they have said again and again that they did not use the psychographic targeting mm. during the campaign. Hmm. So this is a capability that Cambridge has talked about that they have uh. used in other countries. Um, and and by the way, they were not the only data provider to the Trump campaign. The RNC has massive amounts of data and had its own shop in Washington where they were, were were mining the the data that the RNC has collected for for many years in states um, and through the state parties. So um, so I do want to make sure to mention that um, Cambridge Analytica says that they were not doing psychographic targeting for the Trump campaign. So we're still it's still not clear whether Cambridge Analytica produced disinformation, nor is it clear that they had a sign or that they used psychographics or that it had a significant effect on, or that they were efficient and optimized, able to, like, you know, really change the course of the election. And incidentally, even along the terms we've talked about, had they given the victory to Trump, we still haven't, none of this, I mean, this is, sounds kind of eerie, but none of this is um, is beyond the pale of campaigns. It's, it's, it's a more effective kind of campaigning, in theory, than traditional campaigning. But, you know, if we don't think the Democrats do this kind, do... Opposition research and, you know, their old fashioned ethnographies and psychographics, then, you know, we're kidding ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, the Trump campaign gets talked about so much because guess what? President Trump won and people didn't expect him to win. So they think that 
Surely the Trump campaign and Cambridge Analytica knew something that the rest of us didn't know. But if Hillary Clinton had won, Hillary Clinton was spending a whole lot of money on Facebook, too. I mean, her team has said, no, the Trump campaign was smarter about this than we were. We should have been spending more money on digital. I think they came at it from a more old school type of campaigning where it's TV, TV, TV. And the Trump campaign, yes, they were smart by doing a ton of digital advertising and in really new and innovative ways, testing a lot of different types of Facebook ads. But we would be having a very different conversation if Hillary Clinton won. After the 2012 election, there were books written about President Obama's data operation and how Mm. innovative and cool it was because Mm -hmm. guess what? People expected that he was going to win. And so they had this feeling that what the Obama campaign was doing was smart. And instead, we have this feeling that what the Trump campaign was doing was nefarious. Um, But what is the goal of political advertising? It's to convince people to vote for your candidate. And whether it happens on TV or not, that the goal is the same. I would say the the main difference and what we're now learning now that Facebook is coming forward and saying, guess what? We did accidentally sell some ads to the Russians. Um, we're learning that the regulations aren't there to ensure that foreign money stays out of politics, to ensure that people aren't um, spending money in ways that they are not supposed to. So on TV, you know, there there's a legal framework for, for ensuring that um, campaigns are spending money a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, that super PACs are spending money a certain way and that there's transparency there about where the ads are coming from and Mm -hmm. who's funding them. On digital platforms, that doesn't exist. Uh, They are regulated like small items, um, Hmm. which are more like bumper stickers and buttons. Interesting, Um, like merchandise. Right, exactly. 3D merchandise. The idea is that, um, you know, it's such a small self-contained space. How could you possibly Uh make this this full disclosure? Um, But Facebook ads, as we're learning, are incredibly powerful. So so I think that we are looking at a situation where regulators are realizing, hey, we might need to to update this this legal framework. Of course, Facebook and Twitter and Google, they're all going to fight that to tooth and nail. They hate regulation more than anything. But in order to fend that off, I think we're going to need to see a lot more transparency from these companies right. about coming forward with who is buying ads. But even if they do that, we're discounting the impact that pure viral posts can have. Mm. Um, so, you know, what we saw over the last year is um, these Russian troll farms not even necessarily buying ads, but just spamming mm-hmm. the web with posts and content and hashtags to get it trending so that John Smith, who actually isn't a Russian operative, but sees the post, shares it, and all of his friends share it, and then it's trending on Twitter. So then journalists write about it. Suddenly, it's part of the news cycle. Yeah. Um, so th- and you don't have to pay for that. I don't know if you've looked at the work of Securing Democracy. They have this Hamilton 68 project that I, I really recommend people look at That's that are the top 10 hashtags being supported by or have that have some Russian backed support to them. And Hmm. um, it'll be the top of the list will be something interesting that does seem to set the agenda. It was Antifa a couple of weeks ago that does seem to set the agenda for for what people are talking about. And this is what you're talking about during the campaign happened a bit on on Facebook and Twitter. Um, So if so far the Danger zone with Cambridge Analytica is that they're working for the Trump campaign and not disclosing it because there's no not disclosing it in ads, no paid for by the Trump Trump campaign at the end of a viral post or uh, influence material. They don't have obligations to do that. 
because they don't have obligations to do it and because they're doing psychographics, neither one of those things are themselves incriminating. But there does get to, we do get into squeamish territory with uh, what you called false news, um, you know, the really perverse urban myths and, and character assassination, especially of Hillary Clinton during the campaign with the, you know, really like National Enquirer, famously child sex ring, but also all kinds of other just weird intimations about her shadowy past, her non-shadowy past. Does Cambridge Analytica produce that kind of stuff? I mean, poisoning the information supply, like who, who's sort of, who's behind that? You know, I haven't seen every ad that they put out during the election. Um, I think that they, I'm sure, put out posts that were critical of Hillary Clinton, whether any of them included blatantly false information. I I highly doubt. Yeah. I think that um, they kind of didn't need to because this was already out there. Um, Wired had a story about Macedonian teenagers who yeah. um, had they were really doing it for the money. They were doing it for pocket change. Yeah. They um, would set up these websites that maybe had nothing to do with politics. They might have had to do with you know health and diet supplements, um, and suddenly they started posting these these posts um, with entirely fake stories about Hillary Clinton, about the election, Hmm. and then they would strategically post them in popular Facebook groups. Mm. Um, So then you start getting traffic to the posts, Mm -hmm. and then you place a Google ad on it, and suddenly you can monetize it. You're making money Mm -hmm. on this post that is complete nonsense, but they figured out how to game the system. Google... um, you know, once they sort of got hip to this, yeah. um, started uh, blocking you know advertisements to those pages, and then there's really nothing in it for nothing in it for the Macedonian teenagers. Um, but that was happening wholly outside of the Trump campaign, as far as you know any reporting has shown. So um, it doesn't necessarily need to have come from the Trump campaign. All these all these false reports. Now, the fact that President Trump was often reading these things mm. and then talking about them. The idea that uh, Ted Cruz's father had something to do with JFK's assassination, assassination yeah. there there was a lot of um, stuff coming from fake news wherever it was coming from and then being repeated by President Trump or members of the administration. Um, but I don't know that the ads necessarily were, produced were that. producing that. Yeah. So I want to leave open the question of who's paying the Macedonian kids and is are they at all coordinating with anyone stateside, even remotely associated with the Trump campaign? That's the million dollar question. But I want to say something about Google's response toward bringing us to Facebook's response. So Google... Google is pretty quick off the blocks with they do. They really don't like being gamed. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think of how they put down the content farms years ago um, and really just put tons of tons of operations and even would be businesses like demand media just, you know, bankrupted them instantly by not letting them game search. Mm -hmm. Facebook has been slower off the blocks with this stuff. And Mark Zuckerberg sometime in November of, of last year, right after the election, came out and called the idea that Facebook had even influenced the election a, quote, pretty crazy idea, and then went on to say that anyone who so much as intimated that Facebook had a role in influencing the election and in, in even, you know, possibly converting one voter, you know, was showing a lack of empathy for people who base their decisions to vote on their lived experiences. It was like sort of the defense of Cambridge Analytica being, but we're not that effective anyway. So we're, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about us. Um, And he sort of said, well, Facebook doesn't make any difference. So I'm going to shrug that off and keep 
in that way, defend myself against charges that we should, had nefarious influence on the election. I think at that point he was talking specifically about fake news on Facebook, um, and he was saying that that didn't necessarily have an influence. I think that he knows full well the influence mm. that Facebook has on our culture because a, a new Pew Research study just came out yesterday, and with every passing year, more and more people, especially older people, that yeah. demographic, it's growing in terms of how many people are getting their news from Facebook and from social media. So I think this c- took them by surprise, honestly. I think that they know that Facebook is influential. Every presidential campaign knows that Facebook is influential. But I don't think he realized how I don't think they realized the scope and scale of the fake news problem mm-hmm. on November 9th when everybody was sort of shocked by the election results. They've since undergone this investigative process. Uh, I spoke with them in July and they said, no, we have not found any evidence that Russian entities have been buying ads on our platform because I asked them that specifically. Here we are just a couple months later and now they have found it. So I think that their investigations Either they're not being forthright or their investigations are moving faster than they can even kind of keep tabs on. And the problem is, and pardon the expression, but there is sort of this Russian nesting doll of shell companies um, who can who can buy these ads. You know, it's hard once you open your platform to any advertiser, it's really hard to trace where the money's coming from. Mm -hmm. So now Facebook says, you know, we found 470 accounts and pages that were linked to this Russian troll farm that spreads propaganda for a living called Internet Research Agency. Well, Internet Research Agency, by all, you know, corporate records in Russia, shut down in December. But guess Hmm. what? There's another one that popped up in February of 2015 in the same address and with the same, you know, executive director, Hmm. uh, presumably doing the same thing. And so, as is always the problem on the internet, there's this whack-a-mole problem. Um, As easy as it is to set up one content farm, um, you can you can do the same thing um, with another once once one gets shuts down gets shut down. I see. I love how you just whacked a mole in the form of the <laughs> microphone. Did whack um, the microphone. So, um, so let's back up on IRA on the Internet Research Agency. What an awesomely banal name! Right. You could almost do anything under cover of that, <laughs> and um, and compare them to Cambridge Analytica. Oh, gosh. Okay. So these are totally separate entities. Um, so Internet Research Agency, and and I have to give credit to Adrian Chen, who was really on this story in 2015 for New York Times Magazine, is a an outfit that, from all reporting, is set up exclusively to spread false information and influence uh, people online. So they use fake Facebook and Twitter accounts, which, you know, you can buy pretty easily these days. And create these coordinated campaigns and mm-hmm. it can be about anything in in 2015 what adrian was reporting on were efforts to promote russia at the very time that it was trying to you know invade parts of ukraine um, and they wanted u.s support for russia so they create this this influence campaign um, trying to to garner support in the u.s for for russia and for what it was doing and then a lot of those accounts started turning toward uh, pro-Trump messages uh, hmm. in the in the run up to the 2016 election. So these are blatantly fake accounts. Uh, Facebook acknowledges that, and 
Uh, the, By blatantly, do you mean a reader could tell or a user no, of Facebook? I, okay, that's that's a really important question. No, they are not blatant to anyone who is looking at them, and that's by design. They create these fake accounts, complete with pictures and friends. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you look at them all together, you notice a pattern. They're all tweeting the same thing. They're all sharing the same posts. Their English isn't quite right. right. Um, they link to websites that were just created and how could they possibly have found them? Um, In some instances, reporters have found that they, you know, they're catfishing. They're they're stealing other people's photos and creating fake accounts um, just for the purposes of of spreading this false false or misleading information. So, so IRA Internet Research Agency is really set up for that explicit purpose. Cambridge Analytica is taking real data on real Americans, you know, collected in ways that I think a lot of people are freaked out about because a lot of it came from from Facebook and people didn't necessarily know that they were handing over their information to mm-hmm. Cambridge Analytica and thereby the Trump campaign. And we should remember, I mean, I, I think I said the Trump campaign spent the bulk of its budget, um, $85 million on Facebook and in their San Antonio office for Project Alamo had lots of Facebook employees give, I think, what uh, Teresa Hong, who was part of the team, called white glove treatment to the Trump campaign. Facebook employees came in and sat really right next to Cambridge Analytica. So they were mining data together and trying to exploit it. Right. Uh, But I would say Cambridge Analytica was posting what what we recognize as ads. Right. Um, so that's that's very different from what Internet Research Agency does, okay, which was to trying them. to mask what they were doing as posts from real Americans. Right. Um, but I, I can't stress enough how distinct these two organizations are. One is Cambridge Analytica is an aggressive advertising and, and data mining firm, whereas Internet Research Agency is set up to intentionally mislead vast swaths of the population. Um, Just um, to back up to Cambridge Analytica's uh, alleged connections to the spreading of Russian propaganda, this is based on a Time magazine report in May um, that says that CA, that Cambridge Analytica may have coordinated the spread of uh, Russian propaganda and apparently is under investigation by the Congress. We're just reading tea leaves. Um, This is more of the reading tea leaves on the Russia investigation. But um, Facebook, what can Facebook do to prevent this from happening last time? And what's uh, next time? Sorry. And also, what's Facebook's culpability here as you see it? Either moral culpability or legal culpability. Right. Uh, So I think Facebook and really all of the platforms need to dedicate themselves to transparency, which has never been their area of expertise. They like to keep their, you know, secret sauce secret. Yeah. Um, But when it comes to, you know, who is buying political ads, I think that's something that we as a country have decided that the public has a right to know. um, One of the things people are frustrated with 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 Zuckerberg and Facebook right now is they won't show us the ads right that the that this you know that a, a explicitly Russian company exactly um, took out with them exactly um, so the reason though that transparency is going to be tough here is because while there are pretty clear uh, you know when you see a political ad on TV but what is the difference between a uh, a campaign's ad on Facebook, a super PAC's ad on Facebook, a nonprofit um, that, you know, is maybe uh, a pro-life nonprofit mm-hmm. on Facebook, um, my local Bible study group that wants to, you know, encourage people to vote on Facebook. So, oh, I'm in that Bible study. Group too. <laughs> <laughs> so once you open up 
an ad platform, which they have um, to anyone, including uh, you or me, the lines become very fuzzy because they Mm. don't necessarily treat uh, campaign ads any differently than they do an ad for, you know, any old thing. So you'd like to see those flagged? Like, well, it, w- it would be interesting for them to flag to find to come up with some kind of system where they could flag them. They're working. They are instituting um, some changes now. So where they, you know, will uh, stop allowing somebody to purchase ads if multiple posts have been flagged as containing false information. Mm. Um, they're also instituting some changes around what they call cloaking. And that is a situation where you see an ad, it looks legitimate, and then you click on it and it leads you to some crappy page for diet pills. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a that's a situation where the advertiser is masking the true destination of the ad. Mm -hmm. So once you click through where it's going to lead you, they're working on on fixes there. The problem almost always with Facebook is that the more filtering and monitoring you do, the more humans you need. And Mm. um, it could be that at the at the scale that Facebook is currently operating, 2 billion users, there just aren't even enough humans to, to feasibly filter and monitor all of this content. I mean, think about the scale of what we're asking Facebook to do. We're asking them not only to filter and monitor every ad that's purchased on their platform, yep. but a couple weeks ago when after Charlottesville, um, when you know we noticed how m- white supremacists were running rampant on on the platform, we're also asking them to to watch everything that everyone's saying and make sure none of it is racist or homophobic mm. or um, inciting violence on the basis of racism or homophobia or whatever other ism. So I I just don't know that there will ever be enough human beings or enough technical capacity to do that. And so I think that problem. Facebook is well aware of, um, yeah. but I don't know that they have any fix to it. Okay, on that happy note, <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for being here, Essie. I love your reporting. You. you have a great story about uh, about the Internet Research Agency, the St. Petersburg Online Influence Operation. You have a great piece about that in Wired Today, and I hope you'll come back and tell us more. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Now, I'm going to ask you something. You don't have to do it. You can think about it. You can wait on it. And it's no big deal. But if you want to, you can follow us at RealTrumpCast on Twitter. That's at RealTrumpCast. TrumpCast is produced by Jason DeLeon. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to TrumpCast.